Welcome to Unplug It. Great to have you back with us once again. And now we've got some matches to talk about. We're a couple of days away from the resumption of the season with a clash against the Western Bulldogs on Sunday. Lots of fun things organised by the club, such as Dramana driving and, and the like for, for members. But it's obviously a long way off having fans at, at, uh, at games and, and having total normality back. But it's good to be on the right track again. Aaron Hamill will join us from the inner sanctum of the Saints uh, a little bit later on, and we are here thanks to our brand new partner, Marbled Meats, bringing the classic butcher back to the suburbs of East Bentley. Uh, the teams are in, obviously not the final lineups just yet, depending on when you're tuning in to this podcast, but we'll go through those team changes for you very, very soon. But I do welcome the rest of our panel. Darren Parkin is my name. First of all, Aaron McGrath. Nice to have you with us, H. Great to be getting back into it. Finally, it's it's taken a long time it's it's been indifferent um so we don't know what's going to happen i think it's as been saying everywhere it's actually the great unknown at the moment we don't know who's going to be good we don't know who's going to be bad we're currently seeing um a bit of a lopsided game as we're recording at the moment so it's yeah it's going to be very interesting to see what happens yeah, it's right at the time of recording. We are on a Thursday evening, so we're watching St Kilda's next two opponents play, Collingwood and, and Richmond, uh, which we know is relatively daunting. But at the time of speaking right now, Collingwood is a, a, about three goals up, but we'll obviously monitor that over the course of it. Nick, uh, thanks for jumping on again with us this week. Um, big game, obviously, on, on Sunday. We, we dropped some points against North that we wish we could get back, but we've got a game that does present an opportunity. The Bulldogs, good side, but missing Easton Wood and Lockie Hunter and, and a couple of others, so it does present an opportunity. Yeah, massive. I think we're all a bit, you know, still still waiting to see what, what this season is going to hold for us. I think we all kind of went into round one, you know, full of excitement, full of positive feelings, and uh, that's, uh, that second half was, was pretty deflating. I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on that shortly, but uh, yeah, 81 days since footy. I think it's been 81 days and uh, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel. I'm still, I'm st- I think cause you know, there's footy on tonight. Everyone's up, up and about, but uh, we've still got a couple of days to go and still, still waiting for that, that feeling that we're back and it's time to go. And uh, hopefully by Sunday, Arvo, we're, uh, we're all raring to run. Yeah. And obviously footy's going to be a TV spectacle for a little while. We're seeing things like fan zones and fake, uh, fake crowd noise and, and stuff like that, which is, Certainly, you think the, the, the networks are a bit more prepared for this than, than they were, obviously, right at the start when it was a moving feast. And ironically, last weekend, we were supposed to play Port Adelaide at, at Marvel Stadium on the original fixture. And there was once upon a time where we thought that would be the only change to the season, that, oh, we're not going to China anymore. We'll, uh, we'll play Port Adelaide at home. Little did we know that that was the, uh, the calm before the storm and that the entire thing would be turned upside down. Wasn't expecting the club to be putting the game on at the cinema, drive-in cinema. That's, that's going to be a different different situation. But, yeah, it's a great idea at a club. And, yeah, it gets a – it holds a fair few cars and it's just going to be a bit of country footy when you look at all the honking horns and it's it's going to be quite interesting. Good to see Fraser Gehrig back yeah. today on social media too. That was brilliant. <laughs> a picture of him every day on the club's Twitter account since, uh, since the last game, which has been fun to watch. Brings back some memories. And then he spoke today, obviously. I don't know how they tracked him down. He's pretty elusive, old Fraser. But uh, that was amusing for anyone that sort of had a look at it. But one thing that's it's been good, obviously, we went into the isolation period with no injury. So, obviously, we got a couple in that first game in Ben Long and Jay Gresham. They're both okay. But we went into round one with no injuries. And we go into round two with 
no injuries and, and Dylan Robertson's been left out of the squad. Um, obviously, those that were a bit unlucky first time around are guys like Carlisle, who might have perhaps, when we say no injuries, he might have been a little tight uh, in that game. And, and obviously, um, Josh Battle, who probably would have finished top seven or eight in the best and fairest last year, who missed out on a spot in the team. So just looking at those changes, obviously, with Hind and Caulfield and Carlisle and Marsh and Battle coming in, Logic suggests maybe it's one change. Maybe it's out Robert and in one of Carlisle or, or Battle. Nick, do you have a theory on which way they'll go out of those two and, and, and which way maybe they should go? Well, Battle was the really interesting one from round one. I thought, you know, most people I spoke to at least thought he was a lock. I, I thought he was a lock. Um, you know, he would have been in my first, probably first five or six pick, to be honest. Uh, so it was a really interesting one to see him left out uh, on the day. But uh, you, you have to think that he's he's the one, but uh, you know you never know. Carlisle's a bit of bit of an interesting X factor for us this year. We, we kind of haven't really seen the best of him uh, consistently since he since he came over from the Bombers. But uh, trying to work out who who he matches up with is really the big one, and I think Battle is probably the better matchup uh, given that that Robbo will miss. Yeah, it seems to be a seems to be a good situation too that we have what seems to be a depth of particularly in the back line that we are leaving such player out as Robertson, hoping that it's not a problem that he's come up with. It's, it's just clearly a fact that we can't fit him in. Um, I mean, we would never have gone into a round two match with the, with the strength of list we've currently got, I believe it's, it's something that we can really, really try and work with trying to hopefully have a good run with injuries from here on in as well. And just let them fight the spots. The other temptation would be the two Ruckman principles. So the Bulldogs have got Tim English and whether they run Bruce like we used to as a, as a second Ruckman um, and whether we would be tempted because of the short, shorter quarters and the fact that I think we've got a six-day break before we play Collingwood and Brody Grundy as to whether we, say, only play Marshall this week and, and leave Ryder out and maybe pick two of those guys. So Battle and Carlisle perhaps and have some versatility with battle playing forward because it wouldn't surprise me maybe with a six-day turnaround and, and some of the debates over through Ruckman as to whether maybe this isn't a bad game for, for Ryder the Miss and, and the two young Ruck stars in, in Marshall and English can play against each other. Well, last, late last year, I was talking about Marshall and, and English as kind of the next the next big Ruck battle. You look at, at Grundy and Gorn at the moment that, you know, over the next kind of three, four, five, six years that it'd be Marshall and, and English. Uh, and then, obviously, the recruitment of, of Ryder um, in, in last year's trade period put a bit of a, not so much a dampener, but you know, it did raise questions about what the, what the goals were to, in, in playing Marshall and what did we see him, you know, what did we see in him and what is his best position? Do we see him as a ruck forward? Do we see him more as a forward for the next couple of years with, with Ryder? Or, you know, what are they, they going to do with Marshall? But it certainly seems as though Marshall is the number one ruck and then Ryder is kind of the, the second helping hand. He's obviously a better tap ruckman. Uh, I think we know how good Marshall is around the ground. And, and the club internally, you know, as, as we've spoken to a few people inside the club over the last you know, couple of months, uh, they all really rate Marshall really highly as a forward as well and think that he could be an even better forward than a ruckman. Uh, so that's, it's, it's a really intriguing kind of uh, matchup this week, not knowing whether they're going to go with the two or the one. And uh, I think maybe they might, uh, they might go with both of them and try and, overpower or, or uh, you know, outmatch the, the dogs with height and strength. Mm. Uh, it's been say. something that's 
something that's worked against them, you know, in the past. And uh, they might go into, into this week with the same philosophy. Yeah, I was about to say that I might be looking at the exploiting of the dog's back line with wood out and um, just just using that height that we've got. And Marshall may play more as a forward for this week. And um, we, if we're missing our key backman, we know other teams will try to exploit that as well. So it's a, I think it's a matter of that we may see a weakness there of the dog's back line. And let's go with it. Let's 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 hit him hard up forward. And that's where we saw Battle pick multiple goals, sort of in his first five or six games as a player. Got a few injuries, and then obviously was a very good player down back last year. But he can play it at both ends. Uh, Carlisle conceivably can play it at both ends. So like like a lot of those Essendon players at the time with Hurley and guys like that, Essendon and Hooker. Essendon had a lot of tall players that were that could play at both ends, but every one of them was a better defender than they were forward. Hurley, Hooker, Carlisle, they were all better backmen. Um, Carlisle's a bit that way. I think he could eight in a game once for, for them, but we've got those options, I guess. It's just finding the best ones with, with obviously Max King. Still young, he's only played one AFL game. As exciting as he looks, I know he's kicked bags on both Nathan Brown and Dougal Howard in match him in the last few weeks, but... Um, I guess make of that what you will, but but hopefully, I mean, the other ones are, I think Ben Patton probably holds his place. He was okay in, in round one. I mean, he'd be the guy that Caulfield could conceivably replace, but it uh, looks like I would say he'd hold his spot. I mean, when some people are listening to this, that those decisions may already have been made, but, um, and that's where it comes down to, we missed the run of Gresham and Long clearly in, in round one. That's no excuse because North had a heap of injuries as well, but um, they were probably two players, given the class and the speed, that we could ill afford to lose. Now, I know Long played on a little bit, but was sore. Um, so there's still enough polish in our side against a, a slick Bulldogs outfit that we should expect to be pretty competitive based on the health of our list. Well, how was the other one who who spent you know a, a lot of last year playing up forward and, and mm-hmm. playing centre-half forward or out of the golf square at Port? So the versatility in, in our talls is is really impressive this season. Uh, and and you know starting with Ryder and Marshall and obviously Carlisle, as you said, and Battle who can who can play forward back, but also run on ball. And, and I know that they talked a lot um, over the the preseason about giving Battle some spells on the ball and on the wing um, as a as a you know big bodied midfielder or big bodied wingman uh, to to see what he can do because he's got a hell of a tank and, and he can kick both sides um, and he could be a really you know, he could be a match up nightmare for for teams in the middle uh, and he can play pretty much anywhere. So. You know, there's a lot of options and, and it bodes really well for, for different matchups and, and who we play in any given week. But I do wonder how that will affect kind of consistency in playing squads and the list from week to week. Because we know that, you know, the, the best way to get the best out of you guys is to have them kind of settled and playing a role week in, week out. Uh, we've seen it countless times with different guys, whether it's Dunstan or Jack Steele a few years ago moving from an on-baller to a tagger and, and really having an impact and, and having a set role, you know, week in, week out. And it really makes a difference to, to those guys. I, I wonder if having this much versatility uh, could be an issue. But like you said, going going back to that round one, and the, the long and Gresham ones were, were really ill-timed for us in, in that game against the Kangas. Um, they really are our, our kind of class through the middle and on the wing. Uh, obviously, Hill, you know, Brad Hill, had a quiet game for, for his standards and, and be looking for more from him this week. But, uh, you know, I think, I think at the time when, when we saw those injuries, we were thinking, shit, how are they going to play round two? How are they going to play round three? Uh, obviously we didn't know that we we're going to miss you know, 11 weeks 
uh, of, of the season. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's really important that we have those guys fit and firing because one of the things that we've lacked over the last few years has been that, that pace, uh, the speed and the class on the wings and, and those guys really bring it in spades. So uh, really happy that they're back and, and obviously healthy and, and hopefully they can have a big impact. Speaking of roles, big question, who goes to Josh Bruce? Well, yeah, whether it's potentially Howard or whether it's someone that would know him well, like Carlisle if he plays, mm. or Cal Wilkie who's obviously nice and reliable for us and sort of gets the job done most weeks. But but obviously that's the that's the dilemma uh, when it comes to... I was thinking that could be, could be where a battle does come back into it because you've got the pace, got the strength... Possibly. As Zane knows him reasonably well, so that that could be a bit of a match up there. Yeah, I mean, I think as a, as a pure def- as, as a pure defender, I think Dougal Howard is probably the best matchup. But yeah, as you say, for for someone who knows him and who's probably trained against him and and been in those smaller groups that, that train together, Battle and and Carlisle and Wilkie probably have the on the board training. But I'd really like to see. Uh, Dougal Howard take on, on Josh Bruce. I think he's got all the tools, all the physical tools to, to do it. Um, but uh, it's going to be a really interesting matchup. Yeah, it certainly is. And Bulldogs couldn't have been worse in, in round one. They were dreadful against Collingwood. Got a, a massive touch-up. Obviously, will arguably the two disappointments, I guess, in that St Kilda were in control of their game and let it slip. And the Bulldogs didn't fire a shot, admittedly, against good opposition. But a lot of the St Kilda stuff, as we've sort of alluded to, might have been... Uh, perhaps even the cohesion in the group where it looked pretty slick when they were moving well, but that was the first time, obviously, they, they'd faced real collective heat from the opposition as a group, given all of the changes, and, and maybe that sort of cohesion wasn't quite there in terms of how to deal with that sort of pressure. So, uh, again, it, it shouldn't happen that way, but but maybe with, with more time, we, we start to see them handle that a little bit better. Yeah, I think having the team together for a, a few weeks in a row to begin with would have been nice, but yeah, for one game, we don't really get the full idea of what the team or where they're going or what they're going to do. Or we had that break now where they've got to sort of reset and start again and go, okay, this is, this is the way it's going. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to move the ball. The players just need that time together. That's as simple as it comes. And you mind, when you look at it, we got, we Richmond and Collingwood. As hard as they're going to be, they're actually going to be a good yardstick to actually be able to put our best out there and go, this is the best we can do. This is what we can bring out there to the opposition. And then hopefully from the next few weeks on after that, we come up against a few teams that are a little bit lower down and then we can use that, what we've learnt as the group together to go on from there. Sorry. The uh, the point about cohesion um, amongst the playing group is a really interesting one given despite the, the 80, 81 days off, they haven't spent a whole lot of time together as a group um, building that cohesion and, and compatibility. So that's going to be another really interesting thing to watch on, on Sunday afternoon. A special guest will join us very shortly in Aaron Hamill to take a look at all of that. But first of all, a, a word from, as we said, our new partner. And if you're a carnivore that lives in Melbourne and hasn't been to Marbled Meat, you are missing out. This is the type of feedback Marbled Meats receives from their customers. Better give this review is on Google Reviews right now. So go on. And get onto Google and type in Marbled Meats East Bentley and you can see that for yourself. Whether it's a porterhouse or pork belly, poultry or even at pet treats you're after, Marbled Meats has you covered. So you can head in store at 291 Chesterfield Road in Bentley East or you can order online with our special promo code PLUGGER. That'll get you 10% off your order and free delivery on any order 
over 80 bucks to a ton of locations around Melbourne, including the Mornington Peninsula. So stock up uh, on your meat supply at www.marbledmeats.com.au. Uh, promo code PLUGGER, 10% off and free delivery. Marbled Meats bringing the classic butcher back to the suburbs of East Bentley. Coming across on the angle is Maguire, played it brilliantly. Body to body with Playfair and just pulled away and ran through the ball. Kicks to Jones, wheels around, 75 metres from goal. Sets it up, Hamill from one to one. Oh, what a wonderful mark. In the opposite direction, Sanderson. And I think it's safe to say Sanderson, a great competitor, but Hamill wanted it most. In fact, it's Corey he marks over. And our next special guest played 190 games uh, overall, 98 of those with the Saints, 239 goals, 125 of those with the Saints, captain the club and was one of those big recruiting coups. We spoke about Fraser Gehrig earlier in the program. They came across at the same time at the start of the 2001 season with the likes of Brett Voss and Craig Callahan and Matthew Capuano. There was Gale, there was Powell from Richmond and a few others as well. And of course, uh, Nick Rewalt and Justin Kaczynski had just arrived at the club as draftees. And as much as 2001 was tumultuous with the departure of Malcolm Blight, it was perhaps the launching pad for what was a pretty good decade ahead for the Saints, still involved in the club now and, and always a very popular player following up from another one that we had last week, obviously, and Lenny. Aaron Hamill, thanks for jumping on with us. Pleasure, boys. Um, appreciate it. I've, I've heard a lot about uh, your podcast, mate. So, um, ha- happy to be here. Thanks for having me. That's, that's juicy, Sonny. What, what have you heard? <laughs> oh, it, it mightn't be all good things, mate, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you at the end. Yeah, <laughs> kind of been too bad of you. Happy, uh, to, happy to have a chat to us, and especially given, as we said at the, the time of this podcast, Collingwood's playing Richmond. There's St Kilda's next two opponents, so a busy night of scouting, no doubt. But but your memories going back, obviously for you personally, I'm sure it was a, a relatively tumultuous time with the the, the departure from Carlton and uh, how that all sort of came to be. And we know John Elliott's never short of a word, and and there was a few things sort of said after that. But can you? Take us through that perspective and, and, and maybe what you found when you arrived at the Saints. Yeah, we, um, I, I mean, you often reflect on that sort of stuff, I guess, because you get asked a fair bit about it or, or when trades happen, like um, like how active the Saints have been this year or, 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 or last season. So five, five new ones that um, the Saints were pretty actively involved and Hill and Jones and Howard um, and, and a butler. So, so those guys, um, and then there's that. There's talk around when I first got to the club and Fraser Gehrig, as you mentioned, Laurie, Laurie Stevie Lawrence, and Capuano, and then of course the the, the picks one and two in Ruin and, and Coz. So, um, yeah, it's almost almost what what sort of twenty years ago now. But um, yeah, it got really fond memories. Obviously, coming from a club of Carlton where. Um, rich in history in terms of what they're able to, what, how they were able to win all those flags. I guess in the seventies and eighties, and and what, and really their last one was ninety five. So I was lucky enough to play in a grand final in ninety nine um, at Carlton. We lost that one to the Kangaroos, and then sort of a year later, found myself at the Saints for 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 all sort of sorts of different reasons, really, um, and probably one that you mentioned before. Um, but, but but I was wrapped to come to to the club, I guess, you know, you, you hear a lot about Harvey Burke, Lowe, uh, those sort of names roll off the tongue um, and really synonymous with, 
with, with, with the St Kilda Footy Club and then you get to work up close with them and, you know, Andrew Thompson in that mix and Stevie Power came along, as you mentioned, and Borley and, and Maguire and, and um, started to build something pretty special there. Um, was really enough, I, I guess, looking back on it, re- really fortunate to, to play with some unbelievable players and a Hall of Famer who you had on last week in, in Lenny Hayes. Um, that, that when you look at that group, um, really close in 04, obviously, to, to, in, in, to playing a couple of prelims. And then when Grant departed, Ross took over um, in 07, which was, which was my last year. Um, so, unfortunately, didn't get to play enough footy under, under Ross. Um, and then we know sort of the, the rest of it. But, but that period um, it got, got, got some outstanding um, friendships out of it. Um, but more importantly, we're able to play and and play consistent finals there. Um, and I just my, my memory was of, of that is just playing with just so many good players. Um, you know, you can even the reliable ones like Stevie Baker and Luke Penny and um, you know your so-called foot solvers, but but they were just outstanding to play with. And then you then you rolled out Hayes and Ball and. Harvey and then Rui, Cos, Milne, uh, Gary. You know, I just remember getting the ball on the half forward line. You didn't. You just turned because you knew Rui was there. And if Rui didn't get you, Gary would. And if he didn't get you, the the little tit rat Milne would get you. Normally out of the square where he shouldn't be. Um, and and then we just had really. I just remember kicking multiple multiple goals. You know, often we would kick 18, 19, 20 goals, as I'm sure you guys will remember. Um, and then we started to tinker around with with defence, but but Grant was outstanding in terms of just playing on instinct um, and, and, and letting the boys play, and really not much has changed. I mean, there's a lot more dynamics and structure involved, but ultimately you've, you've got to get the talent in, you've got to groom, the, groom your players, how you, how you expect them to, to play for you, and, and then um, still you've got to be able to win your own footy and use the ball well. So... Um, yeah, that just them outstanding memories. Um, probably didn't end up all that well for me, given my knee knee complaints in in my last year. But um, you know, I'm really proud of the fact that I was able to captain such a such a proud um, and historic footy club over 145 years. So um, I, I, I never ever took that for granted. Um, just had the lease on the jumper, you know, that I learned from an early age when Kernahan handed, handed me his jumper, number four. So um, no one owns it. It's you just, a, a, I guess you, you lease the jumper and what you do in it um, is up to you. So that's that's what we preach to, to our younger guys now. And um, whilst coaching the VFL at Sandringham, I was able to run the wonderful year development program and, and, and hopefully pass on some of the, the, the messages that I've learned throughout my 20 odd years being involved. So really in a nutshell, I know that's a really long answer, but um, bloody really fortunate to, to play at St Kilda, but, and, and learn a hell of a lot at Carlton and under some legends of, of the game, really. I was lucky enough to play with 10 of them that are in the team of the century. So, and one of them's coaching the Saints at the moment. So um, yeah, really lucky. And then go to, go to St Kilda and, and, um, and, and try and, I think we did have a certain degree of success without getting the ultimate, obviously. Sammy, the, the captaincy one's an interesting one because obviously early in your career, before you left Carlton, you'd kind of been earmarked as, as one of the, possibly the next captain of, of Carlton. How did that move happen? Obviously, you, you alluded to the, you know, the, the issue with John Elliott 
former president. Um, who who kind of made the move to get you to St Kilda? I mean, obviously you were on the market, but how did that how did that actual how did that happen? It's a strange one, uh, Nick. Well, well, not really strange. The turn of events were I was I was overseas at the time. Um, sort of my, you, you know, your, your manager, I was 21 at the time, 22, and you think you know everything, but you know very little, don't you? So, um, and you think you're bulletproof. And, and I was overseas at the time. The manager was dealing with that. Uh, the time difference was, um, you know, that was, the, that I remember getting calls at two and three and in the morning over there. And um, looking back on it, um, had I been in Melbourne, probably getting in front of, you know, McClure and Ken Hunter and Bradley and Williams and Ratton and, and Kernahan, it, 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 I assumed I would have stayed. Um, the benefit of hindsight, of, of hindsight, who knows? So my manager at the time was pretty gung-ho about it. Uh, Thomas and Walgren were, were, were really keen to, to obtain my services. Um, don't forget, as a young kid, too, I barracked for Carlton. So, um, and then I was lucky enough to get the number four. So... Um, yeah, so it was a turn of events that, that really happened so, so quick in the space of four or five hours. Um, uh, so, so that's ultimately where it led to. Yeah, we had conversations with Elliot. Really, it was over around the drinks anyway, the money. It was it, it had nothing to do with that. It was more a fair bit around um, respect and and sort of what you hold, I, I guess, close to you and your morals, your you got to stand for something, otherwise you stand for nothing, I guess. So um, lo- looking back on it, it was, um, I mean, I'm wrapped that I made the move, but it's um, its one of those things where yeah, I was really, really, really lucky to go to a footy club like that and learn what I did from, from, from a, as a 17-year-old. So um, across I came to the Saints and realised we had a fair bit of work to do. And speaking of standing up, leadership, all that sort of thing, quite often, Often it was viewed from outside the club as, I guess, a little bit of thuggery at times, but we all saw it as standing up for our jumper, standing up for our players, standing up for the club as a whole. Basically, you had a few run-ins with a few players over times, one mainly being Essendon around about the start of 2004, where even going into the media saying that you were running off the line and picking people off. And how did you view all that from the inside? Oh, I didn't really take. I didn't actually hear that commentary on it, but um, no, nah, surprise to some, I never, I never got suspended um, in 13 years. So it was. Um, I must admit, I copped a few fines for mellows, but um, and uh, one of the young boys reminded me today about a tackle on Joe Schultz that I would have got five or six weeks for nowadays. But um, but yeah, look, I just, um, I, I guess the core of it, you, you just love competing and and having a really good understanding of that what you represent, you don't represent just yourself or in that jumper. Um, from a from a young age, sort of Carlton was failure is not an option and you and you realise um, pretty quick smart that what's acceptable and what's not. So um, my biggest thing was you go to all the trouble and, and you go to the effort in terms of preparing um, all throughout the week. It's it's gotta be the most important two hours of your week. So that's how I viewed it. Um, and and the, the the competition of it, which is which is what you thrive on and you love, and you realise that you're playing at the highest level, and there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that, and that's basically, you know, as as coaches now, and 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 even um, back then, I don't think we asked too much as coaches. I think we just ask you to turn up, have a crack, and be of decent character. So, um, 
that's that that was basically my motto. If you if you're going to pull your boots on, pull them on and and give it all you got. And I think you represent so many so many people. And and I don't think you know St St Kilda supporters or any fo- footballers you know or, or supporters worry about too many errors. It's about it's about the effort you put in. And I think if they can see you having a crack and and it's not working for some reason, you can always hang your hat on that that you're having a crack and you're trying to. You're trying to make a difference and have an influence on on the ones that matter, which are which are your teammates. What well, you spoke before about being custodians of of numbers. In terms of that legacy, obviously you arrived at St Kilda and, and by chance inherited a number of another former captain from five or six years earlier in Danny Frawley. And I guess as from a coaching point of view, with the events of the last twelve months or so, does it kind of drive that message home to you when you're talking to players? You, you look at the the indelible mark you can leave on a football club as a custodian, as somebody that probably shares that brotherhood of the number two, if you will? Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's quite a, uh, I wouldn't say, wouldn't say difficult. It's, it's probably more emotional talking about, talking about the big fella in Spud because we, um, I mean, there's so many things we miss about him. Um, but even hearing a lot of stories from, from Rob Harvey and Stewie Lowe and, and, and Berkey, probably his closest mates from his playing days, um, was just his ferocity, his, just his ability that he loved to compete. Um, you know, and then he went on to, to clearly be Richmond's coach for five years. So he'd, um, he'd been certainly done the rounds in terms of coaching experience and then being in the media and um, he was always one to, he just loved cage. He loved getting their backs in the cage against the forwards. And he always thought he would um, he would be a goal-kicking coach because the only way he could get Plugger out in the field was one-on-ones and goal-kicking. And he said, I could teach goal-kicking better than anyone because I was standing there on the mark all the time and all I was watching was, was his boot because I wouldn't get him out of the, the bloody change room um, unless, there was, uh, unless he said, I'll come out, but I'm not leaving forward 50. That was that was Lockett's mantra. So um, competing and um, I, I guess was was in Spud's era, the 80s, and then because um, it was genuine one-on-one back then, wasn't it? It wasn't team defence as there is now. So um, yeah, yeah, and he, um, he he at times I think the last two years he's done our induction with our first first year players, handing over the jumper. Nick Rewalt did it as well um, uh, this year. Um, where he takes the guys through the locker room, your jumper's hanging up there, and, and then Spud gives a spiel about what the footy club means to him. And that's when you that's when you see the real Danny Frawley and you get a really good understanding. Uh, it's not so much the piss take on the bounce that we see or in the media, it's his passion and love for the for the footy club. And um, that, that's, that, that's his greatest legacy. We went up the farm in pre-season and had a really good chat to, to Anita and she walked us around the farm and... Obviously, we'd heard a fair bit about him, and I got cl- quite close to Spud being, um, you know, I guess just a sounding board, and he's been there, done that. And, um, he was really good with his body work and his nous with, with with certain things. So um, that, that that's the message that, that we have to our younger players: that look, yeah, yeah, some of you are going to be here for for ten, twelve, thirteen years. Some of you are going to be here for three or four. So play your part in the journey, uh, however long that may be. But most important, importantly is, is compete, enjoy and respect what you have. Sammy, you're now a senior assistant coach. You've always spent a bit of time in the coach's box over the last few years and, and with Sandy. Uh, we had a pretty positive off-season. You know, obviously, the big trade period, 
Um, you know, guys getting fit, Max King, Robbo, after a couple of years off. How deflating was that second half and, and the loss in round one? And, and how, you, how have you kind of managed that expectation, given we've now had you know, 11 or 12 weeks since? Yeah, yeah, really, really disappointing is, is the easy answer. Um, to be up by 30 points, arguably should have been up 40, 45 points. Um, and then not to get over the line and lose by two, really. They, they changed their game plan in the second half, got, got us on the outside, smashed us up on the inside, which was the most disappointing part. Uh, Goldstein and Cunnington, uh, Zerha, you know, guys that thrive in those conditions where we did such a good job for for, for really half a game and then um, and then let it slip. So, so that was really, really disappointing. And I've heard Beveridge's comments the last 10 weeks have been really difficult for him because you stew over it and you think about it and you put yourself up to be criticised with with performances like that. And um, and, and rightly so. Um, we can't have... We, we need high expectations. Um, we, we didn't fail. We didn't pass the test. You know, there, there was really an exam there and we didn't get through it. So we've had 10 weeks to have a really good look at it to see where we're at mind-wise, probably more so than, than structure and method and, and game now. So it was, it was a lot to do with probably getting a couple of jabs to the, to the face and, 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 and not responding in the way that we should have responded. So the pleasing thing is we get another opportunity um, on, our door, on our doorstep and, and those learnings we need to put into to, to action. I mean, we can, we can talk about it all we want, but unless we do it, it means, it means bugger all. So... Um, yeah, really good question, mate. It's it, it's something that, something that we've all thought about a lot, um, and the players have thought about it a lot, and, and we're ready to do something about it. Yeah, has it been hard at all keeping the players up and about during this time and getting them ready for this week's game? Um, yeah, we, we, yeah. I, I mean, you look. I, I guess blokes um, were able to pro, process it a little bit differently to some. The pros were pretty good at it, but it's the first and the second year players that without routine can struggle. Um, so they, they, um, you know, we, our priority was their welfare clearly. Um, and Tony Browns, who's, who's a star, looks after that, that department. Our, our psych, Ben Robbins, and, and clearly all the coach, coaches involved. Um, and, and Lethers steered us through that, 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 that little patch, um, did a great job. So we, so we've got, we got all the, the, the right people in the right places, so we looked after uh, the boys as best as we could. They've come back in really good condition, but it was only one industry that was hemorrhaging. So we're, the guys are pretty lucky compared to some. They've still got, you know, they're young, they're fit, they're healthy, um, and they're playing footy. So if all, all we ask is that they do their program, it's a pretty small sacrifice to make, we believe. Sammy, thank you very much for jumping on. We'll let you get back to the uh, the second half. Good luck Sunday. Good luck uh, over the remainder of the season. And uh, well done on keeping the boys up. And, and we're certainly looking forward to it. Thanks, boys. Um, pleasure. Anytime. Boys, as we wrap up, confidence levels, H, do you think we'll right the ship on Sunday? With the side we got in, I think we've got a good chance. Um, they are missing a few key players. If we can play our best, we can beat anyone. Um, so let's just hope we put our best out there this week. Nick? Yeah, optimistic. We want to see more from uh, Brad Hill, Dougal Howard, and uh, looking forward to it. So we take on the Bulldogs on Sunday. Very much looking forward to that. Wherever you are watching it, hope you're staying safe. And whilst we won't be shoulder to shoulder at Marvel Stadium, hopefully we'll uh, be 
we joined in the common goal of getting the Saints their first four points of the season on Sunday. As we wrap things up, a reminder, if you're a carnivore that lives in Melbourne and hasn't been to marbled meat, you are missing out. This is the type of feedback marbled meat receives from their customers. This review is on Google Reviews right now. So go on, get onto Google and type in Marble Meats East Bentley and you can see it for yourself. Whether it's a porterhouse or pork belly, poultry or even pet treats you're after, Marbled Meats has you covered. You can head in store. 291 Chesterfield Road in Bentley East or you can jump online and order with our promo code PLUGGER that we mentioned earlier send off your order and free delivery on any order over 80 bucks to a ton of different locations including all around Melbourne and the Mornington Peninsula so stock up your meat supply at www.marbledmeats.com.au promo code PLUGGER 10% off and free delivery Marbled Meats bringing the classic butcher back to the suburbs of East Bentley